Abram or Abraham. I'll use those interchangeably. But let's just bring about where we are and what the setting of the story tonight is. We know that Abraham was called by God and given the commission by God to leave his homeland and go to the land that God would give to him and to his descendants. And Abraham was faithful to do that. He traveled over into the Canaan land and I I gave you and passed out maps. Did we bring those maps, any of those other maps down? But if you have those maps, you can see that trek of the Canaan land where they went up and then they come back down. And it tells us as they came down, the first place he stopped was Shechem. And he offered uh, worship there at the altar. Then he comes down between Bethel and Ai. And there he builds an altar and he calls upon the name of the Lord. That's very significant that he calls upon the name of the Lord. So here's a man who is meeting with, with God. He's a man who's fellowshipping. He's having that daily relationship with God. But that doesn't always, as we talked about the last time together, that doesn't always guarantee that you're going to be successful the next moment in your spiritual life. You can have a daily quiet time, and then when that temptation or that trial comes, you can miserably fail. That's what happened to Abraham. You remember what happened? There was a great severe famine in the land. And he decides he's going to go to Egypt. Now, nowhere in there does God tell him to go to Egypt. You remember that? He just decides he's going to go to Egypt and take care of his family. He made his own decision. And when he made that decision to go down to Egypt, he he goes down there and you find out immediately that he must be out of God's will. God hadn't told him because he loses a couple of things in port. He loses his courage. And he loses his character, you remember? He loses his courage because he, he, he's afraid that they're going to kill him because his wife's so beautiful they'll want her as their wife and kill him. So he lost courage. So he lost his character because he told her, he asked his wife to lie and to tell them that he was her brother, not her husband. Now the plan for that was that as brother, if anybody wanted to marry her, they'd have to come pay a dowry to him and he was going to, he could make that dowry so expensive and so great that nobody would be able to afford it, so he'd still have his wife safe. <laughs> the only problem was that somebody went and told Pharaoh about this beautiful woman named Sarah, and Pharaoh, who has unlimited resources, decides he wants her. So she, he comes and he has everything he needs to provide to be able to pay the dowry for, for her to be his, part of his harem. And I told you, I wonder what, uh, what Abram's face looked like when that happened. And more importantly, I wonder what Sarah's face looked like when that happened. Because I'm sure he had already given her the plan that, I don't worry, hon, I've got the plan worked out how you're not going to have to be married to anybody else until Pharaoh comes along. What trouble. Well, whenever Pharaoh takes her into his harem, then God shows up to deal with Pharaoh. You remember that? And he brings about plagues in the household of Pharaoh. And he brings about those plagues because he has taken Abraham's wife. And, and God tells him, what you've done, you've taken that man's wife. And, and you see Pharaoh bringing uh, this man of God, this man of faith, Abraham, to him. And he says, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? Why did you not tell me that, that this is your wife? Why did you lie to me? And, and here's this old pagan king who is rebuking that man of faith because he wasn't honest with him. And, and he tells him, now, you just get up from here and you, you take all your stuff and you take your wife 
and we're going to escort you out of the land. We're going to get you out of the land, okay? So it's kind of a low point in Abraham's life as far as his spiritual journey and following God and being faithful and courageous and all those kind of things. He, he's needing an uplift. So what happens next? It's here in, verse, in chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. That's what it says. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. Now in that map, if you see that, Negev is that southern part, the Sinai Peninsula down there is where the Negev would be. And, and, and so he comes out of Egypt and he crosses over to that southern part, the Negev. But, but that's not where he's going to stay. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot was with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. That's what happens. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. That's very important. He goes to Bethel where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Look back at chapter 12, verse 8. That's when he was at Bethel. He pitched his tent there. There he built an altar to the Lord, and there he called upon the name of the Lord. What that tells us is that he goes back to the beginning. Whenever he's been over here and he's, he's lost his courage, he lost his character, he had his wife to lie, he's been rebuked by Pharaoh, he's kind of in a spiritual lobe. Where does he need to get back to? He wants to get back where it all started. He, he wants to get back up there to whenever he came into that promised land, that place of Bethel, where he built that altar, where he named the name and called upon the name of the Lord. That was a spiritual high for him. That was a, a millstone. and it, it was a marker for him in his spiritual life. And he carries his life back up to that point and that place to be refreshed. Well, let me tell you, the lesson number one is that all of us are going to have times and need to do the very same thing. All of us are going to have times that we need to do the very same thing, that we need to go back to where all the things started, or to that precious place of a spiritual blessing, or to that place that's a marker in our spiritual life. Whenever we're kind of defeated, whenever we've not live like we ought to, whenever our heart's not where it should be. And, and we just need to be revived, don't we? We need to have a revival and a renewal. And that's what Abraham was wanting. He, he's going back to where it started at Bethel so he can meet with God, so he can call upon the name of the Lord, so he can feel that same presence with God that he had felt before. Now, all of us have those places, don't we? I, I can think of three places in my life that are precious to me. One of those places is if I went back to Pascagoula, Mississippi, went back to my home church, which was a mission, wasn't even a church at that time, it was a mission of some other churches, little bitty small building. We had Sunday school in that building, we had church in that building, we had little curtains you pull from around from the sanctuary where you'd make the Sunday school classes. I remember that church building well. Right now in that church, it's a nursery. It's part of the nursery because they built on and made sanctuary. But I've gone there many times and stood in that nursery at the very place where I stood in that pew whenever I gave my heart to Jesus. 
whenever God spoke to my heart and called me to, to be a child of God. And there's something about going back there and standing in that place. It, it's not a sanctuary anymore. The pews aren't in there anymore. But it's almost like that's a special place for me because that's where it all started. That's where I, I gave my heart to Christ. There's a second place like that, a place of spiritual awakening. That was at Mississippi State University when I was a freshman. And whenever I was struggling with the Christian life and who I was and how you can live a victorious Christian life and somebody helped me and invited me to go to a campus crusade for Christ meeting on the second floor of one of those buildings at Mississippi State, I know that very room right now where that guy shared with us about the spirit-filled life and helped me to know how to pray and get things right and to be spirit-filled in my life. That is a special place to me. That's a place where I met God. It was special to me. And then another place is that same church where I was called and as a child of God, I was also called to preach. It was in that new sanctuary over there. And I can remember exactly where I was, where my family sat at that time, whenever I stepped out and made that commitment of my life that I was going to serve the Lord in full-time ministry. Those are precious places to me. Those are refreshing places to me. Those are things that call us back. And that's what Abraham had. He, He needed to find that place where it all started. He needed to find that place where he'd worshiped where he'd called upon the name of the Lord. He needed to find that, and he found that and experienced that revival and that renewal. So lesson number one is, sometimes in your life you need to find where those mile markers are. You need to find where those spiritual plateaus are. You need to find where that happened and what is, especially whenever you feel like you've been defeated and you need to be refreshed and lifted up. Well, in this story, there's there's some interesting things that it says here about Abraham and Lot. Listen to what it says in verse 2. It records this. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. All right? And then in verse 9 it says, Now Lot, who went with Abraham, or Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. It records two truths. Abraham was wealthy and Lot was wealthy. Both of them were wealthy. Both of them were men of faith. Both of them were blessed by God to multiply their wealth, to multiply their herds. Men of faith, blessed by God, who are wealthy. But there's a problem. Look at the problems in verse 6. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. There's a problem. You know what the problem is? The land is not sufficient for them to be able to live together, stay together, and take care of all their herds. So here are two men who are wealthy, who are blessed by God, men of faith, who have a problem because there's not enough land for their herds to be taken care of. So what happens? Look what happens here in verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And then there's a little editorial note right here. I hope you don't miss it. Now the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling then in the land. They were 
dwelling then in the land. What does it say happened? They didn't have enough land to take care of the herd, so what happened? There was strife and arguments and conflicts between the herdsmen of these two men of faith who've been blessed by God. So here are these men of faith, blessed by God, who are having conflicts and arguing and quarreling, and their herdsmen are, all the while in the land of Canaan, while the Canaanites and the Perizzites watch on. Well, why did it say about the Canaanite Perizzites living in the land? Because it's saying they're having this conflict, they're quarreling amongst themselves, and you know who's looking? The Canaanites are watching. The Canaanites are watching. Watching what? Watching the people of God. Watching the people of faith. Watching the blessed of God quarrel and have conflict with each other. Now that's a sad, that's a sad truth, isn't it? Boy, you want to scoot in there and say, Abraham, you and Lot need to get things together. You and Lot need to get things straightened out so that you're not quarreling and having conflict. Because that's not a good thing for the people of God, the people of faith, to be quarreling amongst themselves while the world is looking on. Hold on a second. Aren't we glad that all that got taken care of in those early centuries of the Bible? Aren't we glad that that the people of God and the people of faith and people who are blessed and people who are set apart by God, that aren't we glad none of them have conflict? Aren't we glad that none of them have strife? Aren't we glad there's never any quarreling going on in the family of God? Aren't we glad of that? Why? Because the world is watching. The world is watching. The devil likes nothing more than to see a church in conflict or the people of God in conflict, especially when the world can look on and observe how these people of faith and people of love can't get along. So there's a lesson. There's a lesson to be learned. Well, there's there's also a third lesson. And that third lesson is, thank God for Abram. Thank God for Abram. Listen to what happens with Abram in verse number 8. Listen to what it says. Then Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Thank God for a man like Abraham. You know what? Abraham was willing to surrender his rights and reveal a spirit of generosity. Think about that. He was willing to surrender his rights and reveal a spirit of generosity. Why do I say that he was willing to surrender his rights? 
Because Abraham was the recipient of the promise from God. It wasn't Lot. Who did God speak to? He spoke to Abraham. And therefore, since Abraham was the recipient of the promise from God, he should naturally be the one who gets to make the first choice. I mean, if you're the one God speaks to, and you're the one God promises, and you're the one that follows after God, shouldn't you be the one who gets to choose first? He had every right to choose first. Everything points to his right to choose. But he surrendered his rights. That's called humility. That's called humility, which is what what Paul says, we should all follow the example of Jesus who was humble. Amen? Humility says, I will surrender my rights. I don't have to hold on to my rights. I can surrender my rights. And it also says that he has a spirit of generosity towards Lot. Here's the second thing. Abram allows Lot to choose first. Lot, here's the whole, here's the whole land. Here's the whole land. You can go in any direction that you want to go, but whatever direction you go, I'll take what's left. You know what he's saying? Lot, you get to choose first, and I'll take the leftovers. You, you, you get to make the choice first. What, whatever you choose, you, you choose first, and I'll take the leftovers. That's a spirit of generosity. I mean, most of us want somebody to have something, but we want to make sure we got ours first. Or we want to make sure we got it at the same time. And we want to make sure we have the right to choose some of the best stuff, not just the leftovers. Not Abram. Abram said, you choose first. Whatever's left over, I will take. Here's a wonderful quality that Abram gives us as an example of. Abram is a problem solver, not a problem identifier. Did you know there's a difference between problem solvers and problem identifiers? Everybody can be a problem identifier. I'm here to tell you, everybody in the world can tell you where the problems are. But it's few and far between who come up with the solution to the problem. But Abram was a problem solver, not just a problem identifier. The problem identifier is there's not enough land here and our herdsmen are fighting with each other and we're quarreling and we're not being a good example for the world out here and the Canaanites are laughing at us. That's the problem. How do you solve it? I solve it by saying, Lot, you choose first. You choose first. And whatever you choose, I'll I'll go the other direction. Generosity is something God wants to build into us, doesn't he? And generosity is a sign of faith in God's promise. Do you you know why why Abram could be so generous to Lot? Because Abram knew that God's promise to him was that God was going to bless him, no matter what direction he's going. And that he's going to have a posterity. And he's going to have a great name. And he believes what God said, and he's, he in any way thinks that what Lot chooses, direction or not, is going to hinder or stop God's promise to him. So his generosity is a sign of faith in God's provision. Abraham is an, 
Wonderful example to follow. Wonderful example to follow. Lesson number four, though, beware of Lot's example in this story. Beware of Lot's example. Well, what does it say about Lot's example? It says this, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan. Talking about the Jordan River. That it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord. Do you know what that is? That's the garden of Eden. Man, when something is pretty as the garden of Eden, that must be beautiful, huh? It's... Like the garden of the Lord, it's like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. It must have been a beautiful place there in Egypt. So Lot, when he saw all of that, said, I think I'm going to leave that for Abram. Is that what your Bible said? You sure? You better look. It's there, it's there verse, in verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. Well, what do we need to learn and be aware of the example of Lot? Here's the first thing. Lot made his choice purely on the human level. Didn't he? It says he saw. He saw the Jordan. He saw all that water. He saw those things. Listen, and it says, when he saw it, he made that decision purely on the human level, satisfying himself with the fat of the land. That's the best of the land. He's going to have it. It's fertile, and it is well watered. When Lot saw that, he said, man, I'm going to have some fat sheep. <laughs> I'm going to have some good herds. I'm going to have wonderful grass. This, this is the dream and I get the chance to choose. Never crossed his mind that he might say, hey, you know, Uncle, you, you know, you're older than I am. You got the promise God gave you and, and everything else. And Maybe you ought to choose first. Never crossed his mind. Given the first chance to choose, he's going to choose the best for himself. But here's the problem with Lot, and it's sometimes a problem with us. He chose it based on strictly human level and what he saw. But, but he didn't see what verse 13 said. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Do you know what? He, he never considered the spiritual condition of the people living in that place where he chose. He never thought one time, asked one question about, well, what are the people like? What do they live like? What are their families like? Not one time did he ever think about their spiritual condition. All he was interested in is what it looked like with his eyes. But wisdom is, you better look at it all. <laughs> you better look at it all. And because he did not look at it all, what's going to happen a few chapters down the road? What's going to happen a few chapters? You know that story. Angels are going to come and drag Lot out of there and with his family 
and, and that whole city's going to be destroyed. His wife's going to turn to a pillar of salt. His son-in-laws or son-in-laws-to-be are going to die because they think he's joking when he's talking about the angels coming and destroying that city. He lost everything. Because all he ever thought about was what he saw. Not what the people were like. Let me tell you something. You ever have a chance to choose for your family or your grandchildren or anything else? If it's the richest and most wonderful place in the world, but it's ungodly people who are controlling and living in it, live in a pauper's house before you choose that. A lesson to learn, an example not to follow. Final lesson I want you to see is this, and that is the reward for humility and generosity. It says in verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Listen to what happens in verse 14. Don't miss this, please. And the Lord said to Abram, listen to what it says, after Lot had separated from him. When did God speak to Abram? While Lot was standing there? Is that what it says? He spoke to Abram when? When Lot had departed. When Lot had gone to the Jordan. When Lot had gone to what he had chosen. Now remember, Abram has had a spirit of humility and a spirit of generosity. And letting Lot choose first. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. In other words, look from where you're standing. And I want you to look northward. And I want you to look southward. I want you to look eastward. And I want you to look westward. You think that covers it all? You think that covers it all? From that spot... In the Canaan land, he said, I want you to turn and I want you to look in every direction. Every direction. All right? Now, this is what he promises. For all, there's that little word again, Kathy. Circle that word. For all, how much of the land? All the land. Which you what? Which you see. As far as you can see it. I will give it to who? To you. And who else am I going to give it to you? To your descendants. And how long am I going to give it to you? How long? What does it say? Forever. Abram, because you're humble of heart, because you're generous of spirit, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. As much as you can see, as far as you're going to see, I'm going to give not a piece of it, not part of it. I'm giving it all to you. That land to you and to your descendants, not for a season, but forever. That's the reward of humility, generosity. Look what he tells him to do. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. <laughs> now, you know, in Joshua, the story of Joshua, God tells Joshua to go and he says, on every place that your foot is trod, it is your land. You know, well, that's not the first time that happened. First time that happened was Abraham. Abraham's walking in that Canaan land. As he's walking in that Canaan land, he says, This is mine. This is mine. This is all mine. Wherever I walk, wherever my foot touches, 
the breadth of it, the length of it, wherever it, it is all mine. And you know what? It became all his. For his descendants. Last thing he says, Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And what did he do there? The same thing, the same thing that he wanted to do everywhere he went to whenever he was right with God. And there he built an altar to the Lord. That's a great passage of scripture. It's some wonderful lessons to learn about life, about choices, about good examples and bad examples, about humility, about generosity, about going back to that starting place when you've blown it. And you need to be reminded of how it all got started and what God did in your life. Some great truths. I hope that you'll take it and heed it in due season. Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to grasp it, hold on to it, and for it to inspire us in our times of need. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.